Are you taking us to Dairy Queen because we were so bad? A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I remember walking into the building and being surprised that the church activity center was packed. There were round tables of eight filling the room with very little space to walk between. We walked in as a family of six and found space where a man had already sat with his young son. We slipped in just before the program started. This was the year our church decided to host a Seder meal. The gentleman's name that our church had invited to facilitate and lead the Seder meal escapes me. He was wonderful. He did a great job. He was engaging. All that transpired that evening had nothing to do with him and everything to do with us. He began the evening, as many of these services do, with a brief introduction to what is a Seder service. Because I can't remember word for word the definition he gave that night, I want to refer us to a general definition instead. The Passover Seder tradition is a biblical festival that was celebrated to remember the salvation of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It continues to be celebrated in and among the Jewish community on a regular basis today. The church, the Christian church, celebrates the Passover Seder usually as a voluntary special service. And the primary purpose for doing so is to tell the story of redemption that we have experienced because of Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And we also, during these Passover seders, remember the Israelites' freedom from Egyptian captivity as well. There are a variety of ways of celebrating this event. So what I share with you today may not be the same as you've experienced at your church or at the event you went to. Please also keep in mind, I'm going from memory here. So the order of the prayers and the sayings and the tastes and the cups and the songs aren't locked in solid. There are, however, a few things of that evening that are. First, as I already indicated, we arrived late. I remember this because if I had gotten there early, I am certain I would not have chosen a table in the middle of the room. Our kids were young. Not baby or toddler young, more like late elementary, middle elementary school young so old enough to understand what was going on and to participate. Our leader for the evening began by inviting us to sing a song, I remember. Later on, we got to die, 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 you know that one. But we started one with one I can't remember the lyrics to. I do remember that our facilitator wanted us to really get into the pronunciation and and said that one of the words, as you're saying it correctly in Hebrew, is going to sound like you're clearing your throat. (laughs) So as the song began, our kids started singing with gusto. And when they got to the lachayim part or whatever that word was, they were all in. (laughs) I didn't mind because I felt like that's what the man had invited them to do. So each time the song would come, they would try to clear their throat louder than the next person. However, the other dad and his young son, the other dad at our table, he felt differently. His son was the same age as one of our kids, and he too started giving his all to the accurate Hebrew pronunciation. But at one point in the mid-song, I saw the dad lean down like he was going to whisper to his son, but instead chose a stage whisper. 
I think for our benefit. Son, not so loud. You're being rude. I looked at him, quickly took stock and decided that I saw it differently and that the song was almost over. So whatever. I also realized, okay, this whole evening might be a bust with these two at our table, but nothing I can do about that now. As the song was finishing, Kenny leaned over to me and said that some friends of ours had just contacted him and said that the grandparent that we knew had been lingering for a bit was in the hospital. And they contacted Kenny and wondered if he could come for a visit. I was like, now? Is it like life and death right now, like this second? Or maybe can you go after dinner? He said he didn't ask all those questions and asked if he should call and ask that. I then played that conversation with my mind and realized that would sound a little inappropriate. So I was like, whatever, just go. I'm sure we'll be fine. It's just that while you know, and I motioned with my eyes to the man who fancied himself the Seder police, Kenny laughed and then he left, (laughs) promising that he would hurry back as soon as he could. And then the song was over and the introduction for the remainder of the evening began. We looked before us at the table We saw this gigantic cracker in a napkin. We saw things on our plates like smaller crackers, some blobs of what looked like condiments, a piece of celery, a variety of cups of water. And my kids were aghast. Not so much by what was on their plates, but more so for what wasn't. You see, I had heard Seder meal and up to this point had not attended one before. I heard meal and I thought just that, meal, like significant food not just little bits of significance displayed carefully on a plate. My kids and I came hungry, and I realized this is not going to help us make it through this evening. I had said no to snacks earlier because I was like, unlike most Sundays, tonight we're going to be eating a big meal at church. False. (laughs) So now Kenny was gone, and I was left at the table with four hungry kids and myself, who was hungry, and another boy and a man who viewed this evening through a lens, which I did not. And the evening began. We ceremonially washed our hands. We rinsed them off and words were read. We were asked throughout the evening to do a variety of things. And if I were more diligent, I could maybe try to work really hard to get back to the proper order. I tried. I did. I searched. A person can find a wide variety of Haggadahs, I found out, Passover guidebooks. And I wasn't entirely confident of the order and path that our leader took us on that day. It's sort of a blur. So I thought, I just have to go by memory. I do remember at some point we ate a cracker dipped in horseradish. I love horseradish, especially on prime rib or even on a hot beef sandwich. My kids had not yet developed a taste for it. They'd tried it, but they weren't yet fans. But this evening, because their mom looked at them very intently, suggesting they could not skip this process in our Seder remembrance, they ate their cracker with a horseradish on it. We heard about the bitter suffering that the enslaved Israelites experienced. One of my boys mentioned that he was experiencing bitter suffering. I said, perfect. That's exactly why they're having us eat this. Then at some point, after more readings, more singing, we got to the celery. And that's where our night took a turn. We all ate our celery super quickly. First, it was familiar. Second, we were hungry. Third, just a note. Whoever put the celery out did not take the time to de-string it for hundreds of people, and I don't blame them. Greta was sitting to my immediate left and started choking on her celery. I stuck my finger down her throat and I could feel the stringy stuff, but I couldn't get it out. I whacked her back. That didn't help. I told her, just grab one of the waters, drink it out of her Who cares? Grab one of the waters and drink it fast to wash it down. She grabbed one, drank it, and then spewed it out because it was salt water. 
I didn't know. I laughed. And by so doing, I gave permission to all of my kids to do the same. The man kept talking and we kept laughing and Greta kept coughing. The man at our table, the dad at our table had now turned his chair and physically turned his child's chair away from us. He was communicating so much to me and was hoping to communicate to all of those around him. I am not a part of this. I I tried to tell my kids to stop laughing, but I couldn't because I couldn't stop. I'd finally get myself a little under control and I'd turn and lock eyes with one and say, guys, we better stop laughing. And I could never spit it out. We had a bit of relief when we got to another song. There were no throat clearing words, so that was good. It was an easy melody to sing along to. So the whole congregation was singing. It was loud and the people couldn't hear us laughing. It masked it for a bit. And by the time the song was over, it seemed as though we had gotten ourselves under control. Shortly after, the leaders started talking about a time in the meal when they would hide a large matzah and the youngest person would look for it and then they would get a prize. He then instructed us to find out who that person was and they were to look for it. Timothy was the youngest at our table and apparently thought that the huge hunk of cracker and the napkin in the center of the table wasn't hidden very well. So he assumed that can't be what he was looking for. So instead, he got up and started looking elsewhere. We tried to catch his attention, but the leader got to him first. He asked what he was doing. Timothy said, looking for the matzah, which then prompted the workers to scurry around to bring a piece to our table at which they thought, oh, we forgot one table. And they got there and realized they already had one which wasn't a big deal. It was just a slowdown for the whole process. And of course, we now found this to be exceedingly funny and started laughing all over again. Ah, I, I do remember praying at some point, Lord, I am grateful. Please hear my heart. I am grateful you freed the Israelites from the Egyptians. I'm grateful you chose them. I'm grateful you freed me from my sin and chose me. But I just also really want this whole thing to be over. And then. It was. We closed with a song with lots of throat clearing, during which Greta was actually able to finally get the string out of her throat, coughing it up like a cat. (laughs) Night was over and our table mates, the man and his son, they were off on a tear. They were running up to the leader, presumably to apologize for the rest of his table and also to make sure that he knew that we are not with them. The good news for him was that I too wanted to distance myself from him at that point. So I gathered our kids together as fast as I could and we headed for the door. We had taken two cars to church. So fortunately I had access to mine and we could leave. I didn't have to wait for Kenny to return. I did have a sweet lady grab my arm while I was heading for the exit. And she said, I so enjoyed your family tonight. I could tell she felt she had to say something because she probably thought she was the only one who did enjoy us that night and wanted to assure me. She wasn't the only one who did, though. I enjoyed us. I enjoyed the clearing throat singing and the attempt at Hebrew pronunciation. I enjoyed the matzah-seeking wanderer and the jokes about our food. I enjoyed when Greta coughed up her celery. I enjoyed these people who, like me, couldn't stop laughing. As we were getting into the car, Kenny called and said, I'm on my way. I told him, okay, we are so over this already, and we are heading to Dairy Queen. I hung up and I looked at the kids who overheard me telling their dad we were heading to to Dairy Queen and the joy on their faces was precious. And the questions started coming. Are you taking us to Dairy Queen because we were so bad? Why are we going to Dairy Queen? 
And then they kept going. Is it because we were so distracting? And they'd laugh. Is it because Greta spit her water all over the table? Is it because we cleared our throats really loud and that man got mad? Is it because Timothy went up to the front when he wasn't supposed to? Is it because we complained about the horseradish sauce? I just kept laughing as their questions kept coming and finally said, stop. <laughs> yes, it's because of all these things and more. It's not because of what you did or didn't do. It's just because I love you and I'm glad you're my kids and I want to be with you. And boom, to me, that was the meaning of the Seder service that remained stuck in my mind to this day. Lest everyone freaks out here, I am in no way diminishing what God did for the Israelites, freeing them from the Egyptians. I am in no way likening myself to God at all, at all, okay? Not at all. <laughs> but what overwhelmed me that night was this. It was not because of anything the Israelites had done that caused God to choose them and look upon them with favor and choose them as his people and save them from their oppression. It's not because of anything we have done that God chose us as his people to save us from our sin either. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. There was nothing we did to earn it. God so loved us that he gave his son to save all those who place their faith and trust in him. God the son loved us so much that he came. And for that, I am so grateful. It is nothing we have done. I would love for us to read Ephesians 3, 10 to 21 right now. Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. The church where Timothy pastored, the church that was meeting under the giant shadow of the temple of Artemis, where people would gather to worship a false god in misguided ways. Paul writes to this church, and he shares with them how he prays for them. This passage is both personal and powerful. Paul is writing, and he says this, and I quote, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul's saying that there was an eternal purpose. There was an eternal purpose to save people. We saw foreshadowing of it in the Passover, right? When the, um, the, when the angel of death would pass over the homes that had blood sprinkled on the doorposts. We saw this shadow and this reality was found in Christ Jesus when he came and accomplished God's wisdom and accomplished God's plan, allowing us through faith in him to approach God in relationship with freedom and confidence. Paul's saying that God's desire is for the church, the gathering of God's people, to display to the angels above this great work accomplished by Christ and in Christ. Again, what's that work? That we sinners can have bold, free, confident access to God himself. And with that in mind, Paul continues, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory, for this reason, pause, what reason? because of what Christ has done, allowing us to have access to the Father. For this reason, I use this access, right? For this reason, I kneel before the Father. He can pray to the Father because of Christ. It's great news. And he goes on further to describe the Father. He is the one. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell. 
make his home in. And I pray that you, Paul goes on, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you hear that? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now to him, Paul concludes, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's desire is for the people that he loves to really know, to really grasp the deep, deep love that Christ has for them. It's wide and long and high and deep. And honestly, he says it surpasses knowledge. But oh, Paul wants them to know it, not just in their heads, not even just in their hearts, but permeating all they are, filling them up, affecting, empowering, enabling them to live the lives that God has desired for them to live. And from this, he continues, his thoughts continue, right? He asks that God's glory then be seen as he does this immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. When the Israelites were freed from Egypt, when there were homes were passed over and the angel of death didn't visit their home because of the blood in the doorposts, when they were freed and walked away in the wilderness, when they crossed the Red Sea through walls of water and subsequently watched their enemies drowning in the depths right after, God was doing immeasurably more than they could ask or imagine. When we, who live this side of the New Testament, See God at work, doing more than we can ask or imagine. Let us also see that as a testimony for the great love that God has for us, not because of anything we've done. We didn't earn his love. We're not getting blessings because of what we've done. We can't expand nor detract from his love either. He doesn't owe us. We don't demand from him. Instead, we receive We receive forgiveness and freedom from sin. We receive access to God himself. We receive grace and peace in our times of need. We receive God's presence in our lives, which is the greatest gift of all. I haven't been to another Seder celebration since that day. I have no doubt they are very meaningful. In fact, I have no doubt that probably some of you have found them so meaningful that you even had a hard time listening to this podcast thinking, oh, it's such a great service. She just wrecked it. I have no doubt that I could probably go to one without laughing, and I'm certain it's a wonderful experience. But to be honest, I've turned down a few opportunities to attend them already, not because I don't find great value in the words or songs or in remembrance. It's good to remember. It's just that I have a feeling I would remember something else while I was there, and I would have a hard time not missing my little laughing buddies. And honestly, I think God's okay with that. And if he is, I am too. But more than that, I am so grateful that God in his great love has reached out and saved me and invited me to live in relationship with him. 